What's up, guys? You're listening to Uv Radio. My name is Felix, and this is Party Roulette, the show where we talk about American politics. Um, and specifically, right now, we have the Democratic elections, which are really heating up, and they're going to be starting in February, and they decide who will be facing Donald Trump in the 2020 election. And of course, it is imperative that Donald Trump does not retain his presidency, and we do have somebody else in the White House. So obviously, American policy and governance affects pretty much everybody in the world and they have the power to start world war three or to you know instigate real change towards climate and they are still the sole world superpower so it is very important that the person who's running it knows what the fuck they're doing as we've seen with trump it's always it kind of feels like we're always three minutes away from armageddon at any point and uh, i'd like that to not be the case anymore and i'm sure you would as well so today i wanted to talk about something which I think is very important and needs to be discussed more when looking at the Democratic candidate that we want to face Trump. So right now you have a very stacked field in the Democratic elections um, with still 10 candidates running, I think. And the main, the one who has the largest share of the public support in the polls, if you trust the polls, currently is Joe Biden. He's averaging around 30% in the polls, which is absolutely insane when you think about it and the fact that he has literally seen our old man and there's compilation videos i'll put one in the description to this podcast compilation videos of him like literally giving speeches and just like getting basic he he did a speech where he couldn't remember obama's first name and it happened like three times in the speech there's other stuff where he's giving interviews there's one amazing moment in the last democratic debate where he gets asked about his old policies towards segregation because in the 50s and 60s, he was basically for segregated buses for schools. And he got asked about that and how you know he would reconcile that history and all of this. And then he just went on this meandering journey where he was like literally making no sense. And this is, you know, televised to the whole country, fucking massive stage and he's just like you know the thing is the people just the parents need to be there for the children more because you know they need to be learning words and listening to the record players this is not a joke this is what he actually said to a question about segregation and the person asking the questions was just like man what the fuck you should not be here and he shouldn't he shouldn't be running for president because you know at least with Trump, you're not worried that he's like actually senile. You know, he's a he's an idiot, he's a child, he's a terrible person, but he's not like actually got a massively declining mental state that you see in old people like your fucking grandparents who just sit at the dinner table and chat shit for three hours straight. That's genuinely the impression that you get off him. But anyway, I digress. This podcast is not about Joe Biden. This podcast is about Elizabeth Warren. And for those of you who don't know, Elizabeth Warren is a senator from Massachusetts who is running for the presidency. And she has recently leapfrogged Bernie in the polls. So now she's polling around 20% on average. Bernie is at like 17% in the polls. So quite, you know, a sizable difference there. And the thing that really gets to me about Elizabeth Warren is the way she's equated to Bernie Sanders and the way people are starting to view them as basically the same because during the debates they say very similar things 
and people there's been so many outlets who are just oh you know she's just uh she's just the female bernie sanders you know she's an old progressive who's uh you know fighting for these things from new england blah blah they just they espouse the same policies publicly so everybody who isn't following this stuff closely tends to think that they're the same and this podcast is going to be about every single way in which they are not the same and why it's really important that we don't have somebody like Obama coming into the White House who's espousing very populist, progressive rhetoric on the campaign trail. And then as soon as they get into office, they just get beaten down by the Republicans and they can't get any change pushed through. Because I really do believe that's what will happen if Elizabeth Warren is elected president. So I wanted to first talk about um, the platform which Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are both espousing, which is largely very similar. They're both supporting Medicare for all. And this is a fundamental thing in this election that has to change in America because America is the only developed nation in the world which doesn't have free health care as a right for its citizens. You have $81 billion of medical debt for U.S. citizens, and it's the most common cause of bankruptcy. Just for a second, like, imagine that. Like, you get cancer and you don't have health care. So not only do you now do you have to worry about having cancer, you have to worry about the hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical debts which this illness is going to incur onto you. And this is a fundamental thing which Bernie Sanders has been talking about and making a center of his politics for decades. And in fairness, Elizabeth Warren is saying this, and she's really... In every single debate, every single interview speech, she says, I support Medicare for all. I support Medicare for all. But two weeks ago, she was giving a town hall and somebody asked her a question. The person was very critical of Medicare for all. He didn't support it. He didn't see why. And her response was, this is a framework. This is a framework that we're going to work within. And it's like, nah, 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 nah. This is not a framework. This is a very, very detailed bill, which Bernie Sanders drafted which basically makes it illegal for private healthcare insurers to exist. And they shouldn't exist because they're just mobsters. They're people who are trying to make profits off your illnesses and your grievances. And it's just for her to go up there and say, oh, no, it's just a framework. She's given away the game. She's already showing us that she doesn't really, truly, fundamentally believe in Medicare for all. This narrative has gone so deep in America that people genuinely think that it's okay to have different providers for healthcare, and it's something which is not a right, and it's something which you have to worry about, and is connected to your work. You know, there was a fucking strike a couple of weeks ago in America as well, where I think it was General Motors or some other big factory, and they were striking, and they said to all of the workers, "Hey, if you don't," get back to work within two days, we're going to pull all of your health care. And there were people there who, you know, kids have cancer, whatever, everybody's covered on their health care plan. They had to stop striking immediately because the fear of losing your health care, even for a minute or a day, is enough to drive them back and be like, nah, nah, not an option. That shouldn't be the case. You shouldn't be able to make all these other, other things dependent on health care. 
but she really just showed like, oh, it's just the framework, you know? And she shows that she's not gonna fight for it in the same way that Bernie will. You'll never hear Bernie say that. You'll never hear Bernie say anything except for Medicare for all is the only way, single payer is the only way. And it's so important that we stick to that and you don't flip flop on it and you don't give them an inch because as soon as you get into the White House, you're gonna have every single Republican, half of the Democrats fighting against you tooth and nail to stop this from happening. And if you say from the get-go, ah, oh, it's just a framework, that shows them that there's wiggle room. That shows them that you're not that committed. And people think that something like a public option, which is basically what Obama tried to get, and he still couldn't get that, a public option is saying to everybody, oh, we're just going to make sure that everybody's covered. So we're going to have a governmental body, but we're still going to allow the private healthcare insurers to exist as they are because we want to give people a choice, you know? Maybe they want to go with these guys or those guys. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? This isn't like, you know, buying a new car. This is like, imagine if somebody said this to you about the fire department or the police service of like, oh, you know, because that's just, that's also a socialist institution. Something which you pay tax dollars into and you get a service back if you need it. Imagine if people came to you and they were like, okay, what fire department service do you want? Do you want this one? Because this one just covers if your, if your kitchen goes on fire or if your basement goes on fire. And this one covers if your bedroom goes on fire or your garage goes on fire. Which one do you want? It's the same fucking thing with healthcare, man. You can't control which part of your body goes on, like is damaged or is sick or when it happens, it just happens and you have no control over that. So if there's coverage that's gonna help you and it's gonna cure your sickness, that should be covering everything, not just a few things and not like, oh, I'll pick this one or that one. Nah, it's the same for everybody. But people use this narrative because it undermines Medicare for all as a whole. And the private healthcare companies are so powerful and they have such lobbying influence that they're able to give so much money to these politicians and undermine the whole thing because they know that Bernie Sanders and Medicare for all, the policy as a whole, is threatening their entire existence. So it's going to be a big, big fucking fight to get rid of these these mobsters who are just some of the most evil people in America, to be honest. And that leads me nicely into my next point, which is um, this is also going to be an explanation of why Bernie Sanders is the best candidate and why... Elizabeth Warren does not match up to him and they are not the same and he is going to fight so much harder than her if she if he gets elected. And that's really what matters here because you can have so many people saying so many things, but if you don't have somebody in the White House who's truly principled and who truly cares about these things, then they're just not going to fight. Elizabeth Warren will get in and she'll just like get dicked on by everybody else and she'll flip-flop and she'll flail and nothing will change. Because there's such systemic injustice in America right now that it really requires somebody of another level, of just of Bernie Sanders' level. But yeah, another one of Bernie Sanders' big focuses is getting corporate money out of politics. And this is the issue which affects all other issues. Like I was just saying about healthcare, one of the main reasons why there is no change, and it's been like this for decades, when every single other developed country has healthcare as a right is because the lobbyists for the healthcare companies give such money to buy influence in the politics. And it's the same for gun reform. 
It's the same for student loan debt. It's the same for everything. This is the issue which affects all other issues. And if you get that corporate money out of there, over time, you're going to have more and more politicians who actually care about the people and aren't just there because they're getting money from other people and they're just making the decisions, regardless of what actually helps people. So that's one of his main things. He's been saying this for decades. He has never taken a single cent of corporate money. He makes that a massive part of his campaign. And Elizabeth Warren, she piggybacks on that. And she goes, yeah, yeah, I'm also not taking any corporate money. She's saying that now, but she's already come out and said that if she gets the nomination, if she's fighting Trump in the general, people have asked her, are you still going to do that? She goes, no, no, no. If it's the general election, I will take corporate money because then we have to win and we have to, you know, we have to just win and beat Donald Trump. That's the only thing that matters. And we have to take, you know, money because he's going to be getting so much dark money and we have to use every single resource to fight against him and win. And it's like, can you not see the irony there and the double standards of like, oh, when he gets money from corporations and super PACs and lobbyists, that's dark money. But when you get money, ah, nah, then it's fine. That's fine, you know? Fuck off with all that love. I'm not having that. And she's she she doesn't understand this money just corrupts absolutely. It doesn't matter where you get it from, it's always corrupting. And you can't you can't change a corrupt system by taking money from it. Simple as. So that's a big one where she's shown and she's also right now she's funding her campaign, I think it was, um, yeah, she's so far used $10.4 million from her Senate race in 2018. So she gained money through corporate sponsorship there doing fundraisers with, you know, political bigwigs, shaking hands, cocktail parties, doing all that shit. Basically interacting with the very people who she's supposed to be trying to eliminate from the whole political system shaking hands, got all that money, $10.4 million, and she's using that money right now to fund her presidential race. And that is just so sneaky. Saying that, you know, I'm in the primary right now, I'm not taking corporate money, that's not me, I'm gonna fight against that. While you're using money from a different race, which you funded via corporate money. <laughs> outrageous, man, outrageous. But, you know, in the debates and everything else, when she's speaking, it's all good. It's all dandy. She's a hardline progressive. She used to be a fucking conservative, man. She used to vote Republican in the 60s and 70s. And there was a fucking, there was a CNN article, a video on YouTube, which came out like a month ago. And it was like how Elizabeth Warren used to be a conservative and then, and then you know, saw the lie or changed her mind. And it's painted in like this really like, you know, nice light of like, you know, she came to her senses and she saw, you know, how important progressive policies were, you know, when she's well into her 30s and she's a professor at, at Yale. The tone of the video was so positive because now a lot of the corporate media is backing her because they know that she's not a hardline progressive. She's not actually going to change the system. She's the easy one to go with now. And the first comment there was like, yeah, man, great stuff. But you know who was always a progressive? You know whose policies haven't changed at all since he was fucking 18 years old? Bernie Sanders. You know who was marching with Martin Luther King? Bernie Sanders. So just this like, this whole thing of her being a real progressive, 
and really caring about this stuff in the same way that Bernie does, it's just false. Um, and then another massive thing, which she did, was in 2017, she voted for Trump's military increase in the budget, which was $80 million. Sorry, $80 billion. $80 billion, man. Considering the fact that America already spends more than the next 10 countries combined on its military. Trump took a look at that and was like, yeah, yeah, we need to add. That That looks a bit thin. We need to pad that out, man. 80 billion more. Obviously, most of the Democrats voted against it. Bernie Sanders, not a fucking hope in hell he's voting for that. He's against all of the wars. That's one of his main policies. Non-interventionist really wants to change US policy towards the rest of the world and stop having situations where there's a military presence from the US in the majority of countries in the world because it often fucks it up as we see in the North, in the Korean War, in the Vietnam War, in the Iraq War, in the first Gulf War, any fucking war you want to name, America fucked it up in the last 50 years. So that's a massive part of his, his campaign. But Elizabeth Warren, she saw this military budget increase and she voted for it. And this was two years ago. And this isn't a little thing. This is a massive... This shows very clearly how she doesn't really, really, especially when it comes to foreign policy, she's not on the level. She doesn't understand. And two weeks ago as well, she was interviewed by the um, the Council for... She was interviewed by the Council for Foreign Relations, which is an organization in America which focuses on foreign policy. And they wanted to interview her and see what her positions were about various different foreign policy uh, conflicts and things which affect America in general. First thing she did was blame Iran for the failure of the Iran nuclear deal. And for those of you who don't know, the Iran nuclear deal was one of the crowning achievements of the Obama administration, um, where he basically got relations to be near normalized again. There was very, very friendly discourse where basically... America lifted trade sanctions. They gave back money, which they stole from Iran. And in return, the Iranian government made a pledge never to weaponize their uranium, which they used for their nuclear plants. And this was a great thing. It really, you know, de-escalated tensions in the Middle East. And that was one of the things which Trump ran against was, you know, this was a terrible deal. We can't have this. This is a one-sided deal. You know, we've got to get rid of this. So after a couple of years, Trump was like, fuck all that. We're going to put the sanctions back on Iran, even though that was directly in violation of the deal. And obviously this had to go through the Senate as well. And Elizabeth Warren voted for this, even though Iran had not violated the terms of the deal at all. They were allowing inspectors into their nuclear plants, into their facilities to show concretely that they were not weaponizing their uranium. But she still voted for it because she's a bit of a hawk. And yeah, that was the first thing which she said. And she blamed Iran for the failure of it, which is just totally not true. Um, she said also said that she will not condition aid to Israel. So this is another huge thing in U.S. politics is the fact that they give billions of dollars of aid in weapons contracts and just money to Israel for being Israel, for being an ally in the Middle East, for whatever reason. 
And it's been a big talking point in recent years that at the very least, not even like boycott them or really criticize them, but condition this money on them making change towards Palestine and saying to them, yo, we're not going to give you all this money unless you actually start moving towards decolonization of the West Bank, making sure that Gaza isn't an open-air prison, not killing innocent protesters when they're throwing rocks at a fence and you're just sniping them from 300 yards away, killing children. So that's another disgusting thing, which she says, you know, who has said that they will condition aid to Israel? Bernard Sanders, America's dad. There we go. And she also said that she will not ease sanctions on Venezuela. So right now, most of you are probably aware that you have uh, Maduro, who's a socialist dictator in Venezuela. And when the situation really started getting terrible, I think six or seven months ago, um, Trump's first response was, we're going to put crippling sanctions on you until this new guy, Guiado, is announced as president and Maduro steps down. And of course, Maduro's like, go fuck yourself. I don't give a shit. And these sanctions have been absolutely destroying Venezuela, making it so much worse for these people there who are already starving, having to flee the country, living in abject poverty. And US, the US response is, and this is something which in general in politics and discourse is like, oh yeah, you have to criticize Maduro. He's a, he's a despot. He's a dictator. It's like, of course he is. But how many dictators are there in the world? It's, it's not your business to go, oh, we're going to put sanctions on you, which will absolutely destroy your country and your people because you don't agree with the, with the dictator. And it's all about the oil, man. Venezuela has the largest oil reserves in the world. And they want to get their guy, Guiado, into power so he can give them friendly deals so they can get most of the oil. Simple as. She said that she will not use sanctions on Venezuela. Terrible stuff. And yeah, and another big thing. So in general, if you look at, if you go on Elizabeth Warren's website, if you go on Bernie Sanders' website, they have quite similar policies outlined. But a really big difference is that Bernie Sanders has said that he will eliminate all medical debt, which totals $81 billion at the moment, which is the same as the budget increase in the military spending, which she voted to to go through. This is a huge thing. The fact that medical debt just doesn't exist in other developed countries, and America is the wealthiest country in the world, and it's $81 billion, which is just weighing down on the poorest people in society and fucking them up. Bernie Sanders has said, yeah, we're going to eliminate that straight up. Elizabeth Warren has not said this. She does not support that. She has also said that she will not eliminate all student loan debt. So this is another massive part of um, both of their campaigns is that they both support college free, college tuition free. So making sure that state college at least is free for every American. And a lot of people hear these policies and they go, oh, that's just not possible, man. You're never going to do that, man. America is, you know, it's too right wing. They don't want that. It's like, of course they fucking want that. Why wouldn't you want that? Your argument is that you don't think it's realistic. You don't think it can happen. Don't be such a dreamer, man. It's like, you don't, if anybody who says that has a very, very limited understanding of how politics actually works. One of the main reasons why Obama was such a terrible president was because he went into all of these issues with a soft starting position. And then 
the person you're negotiating against, the Republicans, the establishment Democrats, they know straight away you're soft and you can be brought down. And that's why he was shit, because he just got murked on everything. Bernie Sanders will be there and he will tell all of them, nah, eliminate medical debt, Medicare for all, end the wars, corporate money out of politics, college tuition free. And saying these positions, a lot of these things might not happen. But it's important that you have a really strong principled starting position which is grounded in reality and what the people really want. So then when you have to fight and you have to negotiate and you have to concede certain things, you're not conceding that much. You're just conceding a little bit. Because if you start with a position of, oh, you know, we're just going to reduce college tuition fees. The Republicans will tell you to fuck off. We're not doing any of that. They're going to say that either way. So starting with a conceded position is just you're already you're losing from the start. It's the same reason I criticize Elizabeth Warren so much for saying that Medicare for all is just a framework. It's not a fucking framework. It's the only thing that matters in Medicare. Anyway, Bernie Sanders has said that he will eliminate $1.6 trillion of student debt, which is a huge figure. But when you think about that, and people might hear that and be like, oh, that's crazy talk. You can't eliminate that much student debt. The U.S. government bailed out Wall Street in the 2008 financial crisis to the tune of $700 billion. I know that's only half of, or just less than half of the $1.6 trillion proposed being eliminated from student debt in America. But you have to ask yourself, why is that something which is just, oh, of course, we have to do that. You know, that has to happen. Whereas student debt, which is affecting the poorest people in society, the average American, that's something that. And Elizabeth Warren has also come out and said, oh, we're going to eliminate some of it. Not all of it, some of it. And again, eliminating $1.6 trillion of college debt, probably not going to happen. But you have to have a strong starting position and say that now we're not going to concede, man. And then maybe you'll get a certain percentage of it eliminated. Elizabeth Warren saying, oh, let's just get a certain percentage eliminated. They'll tell her to fuck off and she'll have to negotiate down and it'll be nothing. So it's very important that you start with these principal positions. So this has mainly just been focused on her policies so far and why I think that her policies aren't as strong as Bernie Sanders and kind of exposing them for what they really are rather than the really principled, strong, progressive persona that she likes to put on in the debates. Um, but there's also the fact of the matter that in 2016, she didn't endorse Bernie Sanders. And this was at a time when every single other Democrat was endorsing Hillary Clinton, and she had the entire support of the establishment behind her, which was massive. Bernie Sanders had to come from nowhere to winning 22 states out of 50. And she was one of the only people in American politics who really aligned with him ideologically speaking and she kept fucking quiet as a cricket man this was her in 2016 and that was it probably you know wouldn't have made the difference with Bernie Sanders he probably still wouldn't have got the nomination because the entire system was rigged against him and there was active corruption in the DNC acting as an arm of the Hillary Clinton campaign to make sure that she got the nomination and whoopty fucking do she loses to Trump shows how much they know but she didn't endorse him and this says a lot about her because if ideologically speaking you know in what they both say 
they're aligned, then why the fuck wouldn't she? When he so clearly needs that help and that support of other politicians in America. And I'll tell you why she didn't fucking endorse him. Because she knew that she was going up against the establishment. And this is the whole thing, is that she is not prepared to fight them on the same level that Bernie is. She'll say that she will. But everything I've just told you illustrates how she really won't. And she just wants to get into power and she wants to be the president. I think it's so much more about that than any kind of real, real systematic change that she wants to enact in America. But yeah, she didn't endorse Bernie Sanders, and that was just horrible. She endorsed Hillary Clinton as soon as it became clear that she would win the nomination. And there was another thing, I think, uh, after Clinton won, and, oh no, sorry, this was, um, so two weeks before the general election with Trump versus Hillary, there were the leaked emails scandal where it became very clear that Hillary was in fact crooked and she had effectively rigged the election in the primaries against Bernie Sanders to make sure she won the nomination in terms of making it hard for people to vote in certain states and certain districts, in terms of making sure that every single establishment Democrat was supporting her and not Bernie Sanders, actively organizing that. And when this whole scandal came out, this is, you know the whole Russiagate thing as well. The, you know, Hillary Clinton, whatever. They said, oh, it's Russia, you know, Trump's colluding with the fucking bullshit, man. Whilst all of this was happening, Elizabeth Warren was asked about it. And she was like, they were like, oh, what do you think about the scandal? The email DNC and her response was, yeah, it was rigged. Which is true. It was rigged. It was 100% rigged. There's, there's no debate about that. If it wasn't rigged, probably would have been Bernie. Probably would have Bernie Sanders president right now. whoop de fucking do We don't need to talk about any of this. But she said, yeah, it was rigged. Correct response. Wonderful stuff. And then a few days later, probably after she had conversations with her advisors, and they said to her, yo, you can't fucking say that. The establishment isn't going to support you. You're not going to be able to get the money. You're not going to be able to get the support. Laddie fucking da. She comes out to the press and she goes, oh, no, 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 no. When I said that thing a few days ago about it being rigged, I misspoke. I didn't mean that. It wasn't really rigged. Rigged is too strong of a word. This kind of shit, man, shows us how she will flip-flap. She doesn't really fucking believe in this stuff, man. She's going to play the game. And the game is so fucked, there's no real change possible within the game. You have to operate outside of it, like Bernie Sanders does. Grassroots support, not accepting any corporate money on principle, ending the wars on principle, cancelling student debt on principle. But she doesn't really get it. And what annoys me so much is that she, right now she's splitting the progressive vote. And if you look at the polls, man, we're not that far away from February. And Biden's still at 30% clearly in the lead. Because right now you have the Democratic base is being split between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Because unless you follow this shit really closely and you follow the right channels, you're not going to see her for what she really is, which is a progressive fraud. Somebody who doesn't care as much as they say they do. And right now she's ahead of Bernie Sanders because you know she has a lot more money. She has more establishment support. She has media support. And it's going to take a real fucking push from every single Bernie Sanders supporter around, you know, 
in America, but not around the world as well, to just talk about this a lot and talk about how he is the best and how he's the fucking greatest politician we've had for decades. So this is a, a call to action also for every single Bernie Sanders fan. If you're listening to this, please follow it more closely and share it and talk about it and tell people about it. It doesn't even matter if you're not in America. Like, just be aware of this man and how great he is and how much he wants to help people. There's also a great advert, which uh, I'm going to put in the description of this video, um, which some random guy, just the Bernie Sanders supporter, made for him where he exposes the media bias and how they're just chatting shit about him and calling him sexist and how he doesn't connect to people and how he's just a grumpy old man and then just juxtaposing all of those bullshit establishment media sound bites with actual clips of Bernie Sanders from speeches and rallies where it shows clearly that he's he's a wonderful man and he's not racist and he's the fucking person who cares about people the most. So yeah, this has been my my rant against Elizabeth Warren and my praise of Bernie Sanders. I hope you've enjoyed listening. There'll be more Bernie Sanders and US presidential race-focused content in the near future. Thank you for listening. I suspect people all over the country who are watching this debate are saying, these are good people, they have great ideas. But how come nothing really changes? How come for the last 45 years, wages have been stagnant for the middle class? How come we have the highest rate of childhood poverty? How come 45 million people still have student debt? How come free people own more wealth than the bottom half of America? And here is the answer. Nothing will change unless we have the guts to take on Wall Street, the insurance industry, the pharmaceutical industry, the military-industrial complex, and the fossil fuel industry. If we don't have the guts to take them on, we'll continue to have plans, we'll continue to have talk, and the rich will get richer, and everybody else will be struggling. Thank you, Senator.